This is Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model, reminding you kids to be like me. Eat steak, lift weights, and drink whiskey. And listen to the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin Show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin Show. Hello everyone, welcome to yet another exciting episode, an exciting rendition of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. That would have to be the whole Reffin show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley, and I'm happy that it's any kind of rendition, even if it were uh, a soft shoe uh, rendition, (laughs) even if I were doing a little bit of tap dancing. Some of our, our tap fans, uh, our, our, our hashtag dear listeners who uh, do tap, uh, please give us a whole ref and show tap rendition, because I just want to see what that looks like. I, I'm curious. My curiosity has peaked. Uh, this is the 89th episode, Darren. 89. We're getting closer and closer uh, to number 100. That's a big deal. I don't think we'd ever see, like, number 30. Let, let, we're, almost, we're almost three times that much as of next week. Well, you know what's crazy? No, 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 wait, that... no, no. We we are exactly three times that much as of next week, if my math serves me correctly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. These aren't large numbers. There's no reason to It really is just simple multiplication. Yeah, I couldn't let that one go. I had to chase that one down real quick. <laughs> as you were saying. <laughs> oh man. You know, what's funny, though, is even 30, it's like, oh, come on now, Perry. Of course we believe we would get to 30, but not when you're sitting at one. Yeah. Because yeah. when we planned to do a podcast that would that would air weekly, that meant 30 weeks. Well, 30 weeks is, is not uh, a short period of time. Um, can you guess how many days it is? Can you approximate how many days 30 weeks is? Oh, God. Well, 30 times 7, that's 210? <gasps> You're right. Ooh. See, I can math. So, there we are at 30 episodes. I I just remember not necessarily being afraid we would never get somewhere, but just truly marveling when we did get to 50. Right, right. I mean, 50 seemed like... You know, how could it, how could it be? <laughs> yeah, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a grind, folks. And it, obviously when you begin anything, you, you doubt yourself and you, you think, especially if a podcast or something entertainment-wise, something you put out there for people to listen or watch and you think, is anyone listening? You know, Pink Floyd, is there anybody out there? <laughs> um, so it was cool you to know, obviously... When, when thinking about this podcast, I also reference Pink Floyd, and I often think to myself, Mother, do you think they dropped the bomb? <laughs> That's like the one Pink Floyd song, I Will Turn, if it's on the radio. It's like, I don't need to hear this. I remember you said that to me one time, because I actually put it on a travel playlist. Oh yeah, I think I, I vetoed it, I think. Yeah, because you said, please tell me that this is one of like a large section of pink floyd songs and i was like no it's the only one and you were like 
This can't be the only Pink Floyd song you pick for a playlist. I mean, Pink Floyd has plenty of bummer songs, I call them. Sad bastard songs, which you know I love, by the way. But I mean, I, 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 could, I, I could listen to High Hopes, like, every day and be fine with my life. Something about Mother, I, I guess because I can't relate to it, maybe? I don't know. Because you don't have a mother? No, because I'm not a mother. <laughs> I thought of that. I was like, "Wait a minute, maybe I can relate to it." I guess I don't even know the the word, the uh, like the song that well because every time I hear it start up, I go like, "Next, oh yeah, <laughs> I'll have a cigar instead." But anyway, uh, more about Pink Floyd and our other podcast about Pink Floyd. That would be this podcast. Um, so yes, we never thought we would get to episode uh, eighty nine, folks. But here we are. It's happening again. One hundred uh, is, is coming within range of our radar. So we got to have. Some pretty cool things uh, ready to go on that one for sure. I know, I know we have a couple things planned for it. Um, but this one is episode 89, and there's a lot to talk about. Um, and a lot to talk about. A lot happened this week in wrestling. Uh, some people uh, <laughs> injured horribly. Uh, some people let go by the WWE. Uh, one wrestling legend no longer with us, unfortunately. Uh, WWE making some news over in Japan, which is interesting. And uh, we got tourneys, tourneys, tournaments to talk about uh, in the WWE as well. That should be exciting. Also, Darren and I, you may recall from episode 88, last week's episode, we went head-to-head for NXT TakeOver Chicago and Money in the Bank as well. And uh, it was a really good night uh, for Darren and NXT. Pretty good night for me. Not so good for Darren the next night for Money in the Bank. Decent night for me. I am absolutely stinging from it. Oh, it's okay. Hey, you did it. <laughs> hey, you didn't do it. <laughs> it happens. I was about to say, what did I do? Fail miserably? Well, sadly, we don't get like more money if we guess more right. So it's just kind of a fun thing we do, our head to head. Head to head. Yeah, we. I mean, we do get plenty of money for doing it. We oh. just don't get more money for getting it right. Absolutely, absolutely. And with that money, we get more unpaid interns, uh, which makes no sense. Uh, <laughs> we can afford to send them more the errands to go buy us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I was going to say, we have more money to, for them to go spend somewhere and bring back the stuff that we told them to go buy for us. Sure. Sure, sure. Okay, great. So I before... Need, uh, my Cuban coffee, my uh, Cuban cigars... And my uh, Cuban heels on my shoes. Correct, correct. Uh, me and Marco Rubio, we like the uh, the Cuban heels. Um, <laughs> he actually needs them to look taller. I just, in fact, look more monstrous than ever. You look more. You look more Cuban than ever. That's for sure. Uh, so we <laughs> so we'll get into our head to head results. But first, we got to check out them wacky. Headlines. The whole Reffin show would like to send out its deepest and sincerest condolences to the family of Leon White, better known as Big Van Vader, also known as the Baby Bull, and Big Van Vader was uh, an absolute superstar in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, Perry and I joined the uh, whole wrestling world, the wrestling industry, and uh, all the fans of professional wrestling uh, in mourning the loss of Vader. 
Vader was a very, very uh, influential uh, and uh, recognizable figure in pro wrestling. I know Perry and I have often on this show talked about those figures that are larger than wrestling. And I don't mean like Dwayne Johnson becoming the king of Hollywood. I don't mean Hulk Hogan being one of those words, you can go the deepest, darkest parts of Africa or find aboriginal peoples in South America and they don't know anything about the civilized world, but they know Coca-Cola, Superman, and Hulk Hogan. I don't mean that. Well, if you go to deepest, darkest Africa, you'll find Akeem, the uh, <laughs> the African dream, Darren. That's true. He'll know a lot about wrestling, yeah. Yeah, Akeem is over there telling them about, uh, about Hulk Hogan. But... <laughs> Not that, you know, not that type of bigger than wrestling either. I guess what I mean is not bigger than wrestling, but just embodying wrestling. Um, I, I have often said that there is no one in who ever lived who was more wrestling than Bam Bam Bigelow. There was just something about Bam Bam Bigelow because he was a man that would not fit in anywhere else. This is a man who, other than being like a biker, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow was born to be a professional wrestler. I mean, he's tall, he is gargantuan, he ha he has flame tattoos on his head instead of hair, he's missing <laughs> teeth, he has a bodysuit that is unnecessary, it's straight out of Evil Knievel. It's all showbiz, not, not practical, not utilitarian. Uh... And he, and he did the typical pointing at the camera and screaming. You know, we used to say that about the Road Warriors. We said it about a lot of people. And Big Van Vader was another one. Big Van Vader, he embodied wrestling. He was the embodiment of wrestling. He exemplified wrestling. If you needed to point at something and say, that's pro wrestling, you could point at Leon White and everyone would go, oh, I think I have a pretty good idea of what pro wrestling is because that's what Vader did. He wore that weird mask. That's not a mask. His masks are supposed to disguise you. And that mask certainly never disguised him. <laughs> um, he's larger. He, he's larger than any normal man. He's his, the persona is larger than life. The name is mysterious and intimidating and strange and, and uncommon. Uh, and then He's loud. He's in your face. He's screaming. And then he's backing every bit of it up with some of the most spectacular uh, feats of physicality out of any large man, really any wrestler, but especially among uh, the, the larger men in pro wrestling. He could moonsault, Darren. He could moonsault. He could. He could moonsault. He could do any number uh, of, uh, of aerial maneuvers that would just absolutely be shocking for a man who was frequently billed at 450 plus pounds. I mean, that is, that's, that's enormous to be flying through the air with the greatest of ease. And, and, uh, and Leon White could do that. Uh, the, the thing that I guess it was so impressive about Vader was that in addition to sort of embodying and exemplifying wrestling, he also stood out there. He was, Unique. When I say that he was what pro wrestling was, it wasn't because he was like everyone else. He simultaneously represented wrestling and represented himself in truly unique fashion. 
No one looks like Big Van Vader, ever. No one looked just like that. From the very beginning, you know, he had a much more uh, Lucha Libre-style mask originally. And his mask went under, uh, you know, had some variations. Of course, he had that giant, like, I don't know what that was, Mastodon monster shoulder pads smoking gimmick type thing. That was awesome. Oh, it was totally awesome. You know, but only used for ring entrances. But regardless, he always had a mask, and the mask made him stand out. His build certainly made him stand out. Much like um, uh, Hawk of the Legion of Doom, he had the weird double mohawk, which I have personally never understood, because to me that just makes you look like you're bald. Um, <laughs> the double mohawk, I always thought, if you're going to have that, it needs to be closer together, like more toward the center. Because <laughs> sometimes at a glance, it's just like, oh, yeah, you got hair on either side of your head like a, like a bald man does. No big deal. Right. But then you realize, wait a minute, that's uh, – oh, they're doing that intentionally. Um, well, it's, it's funny you mention uh, the Road Warriors, uh, Legion of Doom, because uh, it, it's – I've always thought Vader uh, – you said like he – like no one looks like him. And I was kind of like, ah, I mean, he's like – it's like half – it's like half Road Warrior and half something else. I can't put my finger on it, but I feel like if, if, if like, uh, <laughs> stay with me here. Much like there's like a like a He-Man universe, right? Like, like say the Road Warriors are like the good guys in that universe. Vader would be like their arch nemesis, like you know who looks who like you know has a, a lot of the same characteristics, but is just like this big evil like like humongous version of that. I don't know. That's hard to explain, I guess. But <laughs> no, I, I can dig that. I can totally dig that. And it's funny that you actually use the word humongous there because that, of course, makes me think of the Lord Humongous. Oh, yes. Not to be confused with the pro wrestler, Lord <laughs> Humongous. Right. But uh, you're right. Sort of like you know, that He-Man universe. It's very, very similar to the Mad Max universe. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of wrestlers there from that, like, 1980. Like, not, not necessarily the, all of the 80s, but, like, that 1980 vibe uh, of uh, those guys who were looking at the business or maybe just breaking in, and there was a lot of that. Some combination of face paint or bondage gear or football <laughs> shoulder pads or right. you know something that just was like, uh-uh, I go toe-to-toe with Mad Max. Right, right. Like, here, uh, Vader, wear this. Okay, Vader, wear this. Like, okay, okay. I mean, um, well, Vader was, I mean, you talked about him embodying wrestling, and, and definitely physically, yes. Like, uh, I mean, Vader, I'm sure a lot of our fans remember Vader's uh, appearances on Boy Meets World. Uh, he was like a wrestler on that. Um, and I always thought that was kind of cool. Vader, though, is someone you really appreciate when you're a kid. Uh, but, of course, you grow up and find out that a lot of people have, like, some negative things to say about Vader. Vader could be a little bit rough in the ring. He could, you know, potato people. Harley Race has plenty of stories of Vader just kind of, like, picking on people in general. Um, but, I mean, obviously, you don't wish, you know, harm or death upon anyone because that's that's not what nice, normal people do. Um, also, you know, I mean, Vader is the reason why Mick Foley <laughs> only has half an ear on one side. Uh, I'm sure that wasn't intentional, but you know, Vader could be sloppy sometimes. You may recall, oh, was it SummerSlam '97? No, '96. Uh, one of the SummerSlams. Uh, I'm sure I'll get a correction on this one. Uh, where Vader fights Shawn Michaels. Uh, Vader heads over WWF and he fights Shawn Michaels, and Vader is laying down. Shawn Michaels is supposed to come off the top rope, 
but Vader's supposed to get out of the way. And for some reason, Michaels realizes Vader's not going to get out of the way, so Shawn Michaels jumps from the top rope, lands on his feet right above Vader, leans down and yells at Vader, Get up! <laughs> and Vader gets up because he realizes he missed his spot. It's a very awkward thing to watch. But anyway... Um, you know, that, and that's unfortunate because from everything I've ever heard, that led to Michaels burying Vader. And that's pretty much... That was why Vader really never amounted to anything in WWF. Yeah, he uh, he was basically jobbed out in WWF um, after the feud with uh, Michaels. I believe there was a battle of the power bomb with uh, Sid Vicious, uh, was Psycho Sid Vicious, which <laughs> Vader lost, of course. Uh, they they kind of jobbed Vader out to Kane. Uh, Vader fought Kane in a mask versus mask match. Vader lost the match and kept wearing his mask. Um, so that's not Vader's fault, obviously. But anyway, I mean, as as far as a wrestling fan uh, goes, I mean, you if you've been watching long enough, you know who Vader is. Um, I I tend to when I want to watch some wrestling, kind of like put on the background and ignore it. I'll put on like old Clash of the Champions. I like that that that's my jam, like early '90s Clash of the Champion. Um, and I always try to find ones that I haven't watched, and I always end up watching the same ones on accident. It's like, oh, I've already watched this one. Oh, well. But, I mean, Vader was a huge part of those, um, definitely, you know, feuding with Sting and stuff like that. So i would watched a lot of Vader recently, so when he passed away all of a sudden, it was kind of like, oh, that's that's sad. So, anyway. Yeah, those, w, those WCW shows, uh, Vader versus Sting, Vader versus Ric Flair, Vader versus Cactus Jack, uh, that to me, like that is that is wrestling, and for everything that Vince McMahon, uh, regardless of how much you can or want to blame on Shawn Michaels, uh, Vince McMahon did not do enough with Vader. No. Um, okay, sure, maybe he feuded with mankind. He feuded with Shawn Michaels. He feuded with Sid. He got up there. He feuded with Kane. He, you're right. All the things that you just said. Somebody might say, well, that's pretty good. But guess what? He didn't win those feuds. <laughs> no. He didn't win titles. I mean, we're talking about a three-time WCW world champion. We're talking about a three-time IWGP heavyweight champion. Highly decorated, highly recognized, highly valued, appreciated, uh, elevated and respected uh, performer and character not treated that way in WWF. Hard to believe WWE can mistreat former champions of other organizations. That's that's news to me. That should be a headline, Darren. Let me pencil that in to the headlines yeah. here. <laughs> well, I tell you, I think that one of the most interesting parts of this uh, as a news item, I mean, now we, we've really gone here and now uh, we're really fleshing out the career uh, of Big Van Vader and he deserves that. He yeah. deserves as much uh, uh, airtime as the whole Ref and Show could give him. His career uh, deserved it, and I think as a man, he deserved it. Um, yeah, sure, he worked stiff. He worked snug. Uh, he wasn't the only one responsible. for. No, he's not the first person or the last person to fight like that. He certainly took his share of receipts, um, his share of potatoes. Stan Hansen knocked his eyeball out of his head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> reportedly uh sting forgot to remove uh the blade from his uh finger tape and shredded vader's ear to pieces uh at the conclusion of a strap match between the two 
but all that uh, being said, the, the the strangest part of this as an as a news item, the strangest part of this as uh, as the, as reporting the death of Big Van Vader is let's go back two years ago, and two years ago Big Van Vader made headlines, uh, pun very much intended. He made our headlines uh, by announcing that he had seen a doctor. And then he had gotten a second opinion, and uh, for all intents and purposes, he was living on borrowed time. Big Van Vader made the uh, internet wrestling community and the world at large very much aware of the fact that he believed, and would have us believe, he had, quote, two years to live, end quote. And uh, I believe he eventually got a third opinion, and uh, doctors said, no, that's nonsense. Yes, you know, he is suffering from some congestive heart failure. Um, he is not a young man. Um, he has been overweight his whole life, and he has done a lot of damage to his to his body through the world of professional wrestling and a lifelong career in football and in wrestling. Nevertheless, uh, the two-year thing kind of went out the window. And even though he certainly didn't put on a clinic, you know, he went, he went over to... Uh, to England and actually wrestled Will Ospreay. And, uh, you remember why, don't you? Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, remind our, <laughs> remind our dear listeners in case they're, they're not Vader. Um, Vader's very vocal on or Vader was, I should say very vocal on Twitter. Uh, he had uh, negative views sometimes we'll say, um, he, there, there was a match that was highly praised between what Will Ospreay and Ricochet. Um, that was like uh, this match everyone had to see. A very non-traditional wrestling match. A lot of the, the kickies and flippies uh, <laughs> that the new, the newer style of wrestlers uh, tend to do, which is great. And actually, actually, that match really like was a was the lighting of the powder keg of that argument, like that. It, that argument was like, oh shit, can't hide from it anymore after that match. Absolutely, absolutely. It looked, it looked more like wrestling meets figure skating, that match does. Um, a lot of, lot of uh, choreographed uh, uh, maneuvers there and flips and what have you, and, and wrestling is choreographed maneuvers, you know, let's face it. Uh, but anyway, so Vader, uh, Vader not impressed with the match and said like it looked like garbage and that's not wrestling, and uh, eventually it led to this showdown between Will Ospreay and Vader, so... I guess Osprey was kind of like, I'll fight him. Hope he doesn't just punch me for no good reason. He's been known to do that now. I've, I've read books. <laughs> well, uh, I think everybody kind of put it out of their mind that Vader was running out of time, that, that his life had been, I, I guess, shortened by this initial diagnosis. And uh, it really wasn't talked about anymore. But unfortunately, here we are in 2018, and he actually dies short of a full two years after making that original announcement. So uh, the doctors knew what they were talking about, or Vader knew what he was talking about, or um, you would certainly hate to believe that it was a self-fulfilling prophecy in any way. Uh, nevertheless, uh, we here at The Whole Reference Show uh, very much admired Big Van Vader as an entertainer, as an athlete. Uh, big fans, um, and uh, certainly uh, wish his family the best. And uh, yeah, I, I think he will be 
missed incredibly. It's be very difficult to have another another individual like Big Van Vader. What's uh, I agree with all that, of course. Uh, what's sad though is I think Vader was uh, well, Vader definitely probably is heading for that WWE Hall of Fame. Um, more so now, I think now that he is passed on, unfortunately. Uh, I don't I don't mention this very often, but I sometimes play the WWE Supercard uh, game. And with the the weird still playing that very rarely. I like wrestling so much. Um, very rarely I put it on. But the weird thing about it is like future events or whatever that happen in that game. They feature people who tend to become champion very like who, who will become champion very very shortly. But I noticed right. that one of the newer cards was actually Vader, who did not really have any cards, uh, any new cards for a very long time. So it was kind of like oh. Is WWE reminding us that Vader exists so that it won't be such a big shocker when he goes in, when the announcement happens he's going to the Hall of Fame? But, I mean, that's out the window now, obviously, but it might definitely mean uh, Vader going into the Hall of Fame next year, so we'll see about that. Uh, yeah, I hope he does. I, I hate it whenever someone has to go in posthumously, and uh, it's going to suck even more if he goes in literally less than a year after he passes away. Uh, I know that he valued uh, that Hall of Fame. Uh, some people do, some people don't. I think that it, uh, despite you know the, the criticism it does receive uh, as, as an institution, that being the WWE Hall of Fame, I think it should be valued. Um, and it's a shame that Vader didn't go up to, and be able to accept his, uh, his induction uh, himself. Right, absolutely. So, Big Van Vader, we will miss you. Godspeed. Thanks for the memories, for sure. Years and years of memories. Luckily, you can find most of them on the WWE Network. Um, Someone who is not going into the WWE Hall of Fame anytime soon looks like Big Cass. Uh, Big Cass, uh, if you watch Money in the Bank, you will know uh, his match was actually on the pre-show. Him versus Daniel Bryan. A Daniel Bryan match was on the kickoff show leading into Money in the Bank. Um, That should have been a big uh, red flag there. Uh, Big Cass, though, got the boot. He got the big boot from uh, VKM, (laughs) old old Vinnie Mac. Uh, He is no longer with the company. Not even even a future endeavor. He got the... uh, No, how about that? Yeah, he got the um, uh, have come to terms. Not even so much as a nice old future endeavor. No, WWE.com, in fact, does not wish Big Cass the best on his future endeavors. Nope, simply they've come to terms, come to terms with the release of Big Cass. (laughs) Ouch! (laughs) Like, like, here today, gone today. That is correct. Oh, that, I mean, jeez, Louise. Big Cass, what'd you do, guy? What'd you do, big fella? I mean, I know that I know you're not everybody's favorite, but come on, like, you know, I mean, what what is the deal here? I know he went into a business for himself at least once, maybe twice recently. Uh, was told not to do something on television, did it? But is that enough? I mean, did that get him fired? Because this is straight up fired. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I mean, there aren't too many details right now. It's just that it did happen. Um, and like we reported a few weeks ago that he did, 
uh, as Darren say, uh, Darren said, go into business for himself uh, with an angle with a uh, quote unquote little person playing uh, Daniel Bryan. He was supposed to hit the the little person once and that be it. But he was like, I'm going to hit him once and then I'm going to like get on top of him and hit him. And they said, do not do that. Just hit him once and then leave it. But of course, when it came to actually filming the segment, he hit him once and then got on top of him and started hitting him again. And they were just like, okay, he can't follow directions. Uh, so that's strike one. You know, you know what? And I, I, I promise not to harp on this, but I have to raise this question. If anybody listens to anything that Steve Austin has said, whether it's on his podcast, whether it's on the, his short-lived WWE network podcast, or whether it's any other conversation where Steve Austin is speaking his mind, which is any of them <laughs> these days, because Austin certainly does not feel as if he is beholden uh, to Stanford. And Austin is the very first one to say, you have to go off script. You have to go against what you're told. You have to stand out. You have to break the rules. You have to do something wrong. And like, I've always been inclined to agree with that. And I, and I thought, why aren't more people doing it? People should be doing it. Austin is right. People need to be taking chances. People need to be uh, sticking their necks out there. But the truth is, every time somebody has stuck their neck out, they get their head lobbed off. You better be someone who sells a lot of t-shirts before you try to improvise uh, on a on an angle <laughs> on the microphone. Um, Big Cass hadn't sold that many t-shirts in a while. I mean, Big Cass, you got to remember, was on the shelf for a very, very long time. And even seeing him back in action was kind of like, oh, yeah, Big Cass. I, I, didn't like, I, mean, I didn't like anything he did since he was back. And it was kind of like, how do you solve a problem like Big Cass? Uh, <laughs> what do you do with them? And uh, obviously they, they kind of realized that like, we don't need this guy. So adios amigos. This is what happened to big cast. He's gone. Obviously Enzo being gone as tag team partner, uh, <laughs> helped a lot as far as them going like, uh, uh, what do you do to big cats? Um, it's interesting though, that, that Enzo and big cast and, uh, Carmella were, uh, were a faction, over at NXT, and then when the boys got called up, they thought, well, what about Carmella? And then Carmella gets called over, and they're like, oh, she won't last. Yet here Carmella is, your SmackDown Women's Champion, spoiler alert, uh, and Big Cass and Enzo More no longer with the company. So that's, you never know. That's why I say it's it's the wacky world of uh, professional wrestling, because anything can happen. It's it's so bizarre. Yeah, so are Cass and Enzo, are they going to reunite? somewhere do they like each other i'm pretty sure enzo amore released some sort of uh tweet or something that was very like ha 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 to you big cats about getting fired i don't believe they are friends oh come on man it's nothing sacred nah probably not i feel bad for you because because you were such big uh big cats and uh enzo amore fans i know man like golly our hashtag dear listeners who have been with us from the beginning have got to remember when I was their biggest cheerleader mm-hmm. and all I wanted was those two dudes on the main roster somewhere. That time has come. That time has gone. <laughs> and need I say again here today, gone today because wow, 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 wow. Um, 
Yeah, when it came to Big Cass and Enzo, you were the head cheerleader. You were the Francine of uh, Enzo and Big Cass. I really was. I mean, you know, uh, oh, man. This is weird. This is weird. But um, I don't know. Well, I'm anxious to see. Was this a a unique but connected part of a culling that I've heard was coming soon where it was like, um, we want to fire cast. No, we better not. Well, hell we're about to fire 10 people. Let's just go ahead and fire him. Yeah, sure. Right. And then pretty soon we're going to hear about these other people that get cut. Um, just in general, because of, you know, those, those cuts that come every now and then. Well, I mean, that actually brings up a very interesting point and we don't want to, we don't need to talk about this for too long. because There's a lot more to talk about, but um, there are the, the roster on SmackDown and Raw and NXT and this UK tournament that we've got to even talk about on the show and the May Young Classic. So many people are getting so much, uh, they're getting so much spotlight attention, right? So they're, they're becoming faces. People know who they are. The WWE audience is watching this stuff. So now, if there's a departure, we, we sort of talked about this before on the show, like maybe a month ago. If there's a departure of about 20 or 30 people, that's dangerous to WWE. These are now officially stars. I mean, Simon, Simon Gotch, and this is, this is nothing against Simon Gotch. Simon Gotch can leave after not doing a whole lot, you know, in WWE and NXT, well, arguably NXT, and become Simon Grimm and, like, headline any indie show he's booked on, right? That's just Simon Gotch. If you take 20, 30 other people who all have all achieved as much or more than what Simon Gotch achieved, then you put them all on another show, you have yourself another ROH. You have yourself another New Japan Pro Wrestling. I mean, it's just the way it is now. And WWE I, kind of made this problem. And, and they, always, they always try to create fake... Uh, fake competition, but they've accidentally made real competition by making all this fake competition. So that's kind of interesting to me. No, I completely agree. I, I I think I mentioned it maybe five, six, seven weeks ago. What would happen if, for whatever reason, I'm not saying this is going to happen or there's a reason for it, but for whatever reason, all of a sudden, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Aleister Black, Adam Cole. Samoa Joe all ended up not in WWE. Well, first of all, <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom the following year would be amazing. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, the world title scene in Ring of Honor would probably explode. You know, but you could almost say if you took those guys and maybe five more, the right person with the right pocketbook could really come out of literal nothingness and create a badass super indie or you know what because that that's sort of what i consider like roh and impact now um ed nordholm has sort of resigned uh himself to the fact and this is fine I, i applaud him for doing this that there that impact will never be never was and never will be a competitor to the wwe well nothing is at this point nothing Nothing right. can be. But that doesn't mean that it, you cannot have a valid and excellent and influential uh, and even profitable existence. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, golly, man. We'll see. We'll talk about that day. The day that there is a great migration away from WWE, 
Now that'll be a hell of a headline. Right. Um, and, and that day may or may not come. Well, we, we shall definitely see. Um, you mentioned a lot of names of people who could leave and hurt the company. Well, what if one of those guys got hurt and couldn't wrestle because he has two torn rotator cuffs? Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn is out until 2019 with double rotator cuff tears. He won't be drumming anytime soon. No, he's not going anywhere except to, hopefully to uh, the surgeon uh, regularly uh, to check on his uh, to check on his rehabilitation. Apparently, one of his rotator cuffs, I believe the left one, had been troubling him for quite some time. But this other tear is more recent. I noticed I hadn't really seen him wrestle a lot. But then they did stick him in just this past Sunday uh, inside of a ring with Bobby Lashley, who is no cupcake. <laughs> and uh, He's a big cupcake. I, I, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what. If I'm Sami Zayn and I have two, I, basically my arms shouldn't work. I'm not going to get into the ring with a giant muscle man who could finish destroying my body. Right. But, uh, yeah, this is very unfortunate. This is this is uh, both shoulders require surgery. That's going to take an incredible amount of rehabilitation. There is nothing but baby steps ahead for him because he can't. It's not it's not a matter of having one broken wing here. Uh, and being able to overcompensate with other workouts to uh, speed up the rehab. No, this is going to be starting from just absolute scratch. I mean, right. this is this is uh, Carl Sagan's uh, apple pie from scratch here. <laughs> right. And, and it will. It's going to take until 2019 before we see Sami Zayn at all. Ouch. That's, uh, that's a lot of time. And uh, as we know wrestlers don't like to take that much time off i mean especially when you say like well we're only halfway through the year and you're done see you next year that's never a good thing to hear take it from our good friend of the show teddy stigma who uh can tell you all about having to get you know limbs rehabbed and a lot of waiting uh and rehabilitation and uh we actually need to hear from teddy stigma sometime soon i think uh have to hit him up we'll have to get a uh get an update on his journey i know it's getting closer and closer yeah, let's get him on the phone. Yeah, man. Well, not right now, but... <laughs> not right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But very, very, very soon, very soon. So, obviously, all the best. <laughs> That's a That was a real phone, folks. Um, so, yeah, obviously, all the best to Sami Zayn. Uh, get well soon. Soon isn't going to happen, but uh, nothing but the best, Sami Zayn. We appreciate you. You're a good wrestler. You're a good talker. We said that going into our head-to-head. Head-to-head. For Money the Bank. In other news, uh, there is an individual who has not been seen with any great regularity. He has uh, somehow stayed out of the spotlight uh, ever since moving over to 205 Live, and that is Hideo Itami, uh, the artist formerly known as Kenta in his Japanese career. Japanese native Hideo Itami, uh, talk about a repeated injury talk about tragic setbacks that is the that's the story from start to finish of uh, itami's nxt career uh we thought maybe by going to the main roster so, so his luck would change or something would change but i mean have you even heard the name hideo itami in the last several <laughs> months no. you haven't right no no i'm not 
not saying that to rub it in. I'm not trying to make the guy feel bad or insignificant. I'm trying to make WWE feel bad for making me feel as if someone, the talent level of Hideo Itami, uh, is insignificant. That's what WWE would have me believe. I see Kurt Hawkins more than I see Hideo Itami. Right. Hideo Itami, though, was banished uh, to the nether nether realm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A.K.A. 205 Live. So he is keeping appearances on 205 Live, but, I mean, you have to go out of your way uh, to watch 205 Live. Um, Well, apparently they want you to go so far out of your way, you have to tune in to uh, Japanese television programming. Because WWE is apparently sending Hideo Itami home, maybe only temporarily, but maybe not, uh, to wrestle <laughs> with Pro Wrestling Noah. The wrestling organization out of Japan, Pro Wrestling Noah, has signed a working agreement with the WWE to share talent. Well, the only talent that's being shared at, at, as of press time is Hideo Itami. From WWE to Noah. Now, uh, I don't know. Does Is that immediate? Does that mean he's going on a tour of Japan? Does that mean he's moving back to Japan and he's some sort of WWE representative in yeah. Noah? It seems like he's an ambassador, yeah. Yeah, ambassador. It's a great way to put it. Anything, even if it's just that, that's more spotlight than he's had in a while. That's more worthwhile duties than he's had in a while. Um, you know, I don't know that much about pro wrestling Noah, but I know that they supposedly still have a working relationship with impact wrestling. So that's very confusing to me. The WWE would enter into open, uh, relationship with a company that is in an open relationship with what, because who cares what Nordholm or Don Callis or Billy Corgan or Dixie Carter or Eric Bischoff or Jeff Jarrett or Dutch Mantel say about the artist formerly known as TNA, they all wanted it to be a competitor to WWE. And Vince McMahon, while he certainly doesn't consider them on his level, he does consider it a, a slap in the face. Right. Because when they first opened, they were like, oh, well, okay, where Ted Turner failed, we will succeed. Right. Not not so much not so much a I mean obviously ultimately a competitor with WWE, but I mean they <laughs> TNA was supposed to be WCW continuing on the, the the continuing saga of WCW, right? And that that's a prime example right there of what if a bunch of superstars got together and did an organization. There you have. That's where TNA came from. The the people from WCW who were like, "Well, we're not going to go to WWE." Uh, so let's just go ahead and do our own thing. Okay, we'll call it TNA. Like, I mean, that that show, that's how easy it is to get an or- a big organization together for the most part. Sure, and and and, uh, and so it experienced the, the levels of success that it did. It, uh, it never truly became a competitor to WWE. But because in its original form it was that, I don't think Vince will ever... It's, it's a very, very different creature these days. With Anthem... Uh, in charge and with it being impact and all that it's a very very different creature but i I still think that what little part of vince's mind (laughs) is focused on that still perceives it as it was when jeff jarrett first opened the doors so that is why i am so surprised about this relationship with with noah but that's all i know about noah Mm -hmm. at this time 
And until we know more, we're just going to simply say, you know, good luck, Hideo Itami. Stay healthy. Uh, <laughs> enjoy being back at home. And who knows? Maybe this will turn into some cool working relationship. And WWE now has a what I consider an actual competitor in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So WWE better do all it can to find itself a stronghold in the Japanese market, or else it really might be facing some stiff competition outside of North America. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. They're they're making some big moves. Um, obviously that coming up in the future. Also, uh, tournaments. The tournaments going on. Uh, it's been announced somewhat recently that the Mayan Classic will be going on again. It's actually happening uh, later this summer. Uh, in August, and uh, we don't know competitors yet. We don't know who's going to be involved. I do know, however, that uh, Jazzy Gabert uh, has been officially cleared to return to the ring in WWE. Uh, Jazzy Gabert, for those who don't remember, I called her the uh, the female Ivan Drago. Um, she's the alpha female. She, I mean, she is a competitor. That That is someone you want on the main show, for sure. I mean, that is just a... A muscly woman with a, a blonde mohawk. It's like I think she's German. I'm pretty sure she's German. Um, but it's like, man, like she she would be great uh, on any show, really. Uh, but she had a bunch of medical issues, and she was uh, cleared recently. So she's got to be coming back. You know, Vince is like, oh, big muscly person. Yeah. Ah! Um, so he can't wait to have her back. I'm sure. So I, I feel like she might be a, a huge threat in the uh, tournament coming up. And um, I do want to mention the UK tournament, which uh, is going on now. Uh, it's uh, currently filming, I guess. They're going to release the first round uh, this weekend. So we're not going to get into it this weekend. We're going to wait until next week. We'll have, uh, we'll have more on that after the first round happens. We'll kind of analyze what's been going on uh, and who else is involved. And, uh, yeah, so that should be a lot of fun. Some more to talk about. Wrestling, Darren, isn't it fun to talk about? It's my favorite thing to talk about. Clearly. More than history? More than uh, Western civilization in 1907? Well, well, in 1907. Sure. Uh, 1907 was a really boring year. No, let's talk uh, about it. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, my appreciation of wrestling ties directly into my love of history. I mean, right. I really only like watching wrestling in the present because as every second passes... It becomes the past. Oh, absolutely. And, and so wrestling, I really only like wrestling because it is living history. It is wrestling history the moment after it happens. And then I can talk about it on the podcast. I can write about it in notebooks. I can think about it. I can think about the title lineages and all of the broken storylines. <laughs> all of the continuity that I wished existed. Yeah. So, no, I don't love it more or less than history. I love it as history. Okay, well put, well said. Way to protect yourself there. Much like Andy Kaufman said to the king of Memphis, Tennessee, I've got brains, Mr. Lawler. <laughs> so there you have it. Uh, whatever, is, uh, whatever is done is done. Uh, it's all in the past, folks. It's in the books. Speaking of in the books... Uh, NXT TakeOver Chicago, Money in the Bank 2018, both in the books now. Uh, I'm sure you folks uh, watched it at home on the WWE Network. These network exclusives, and uh, Darren and I sure did. We had some ideas about who would be winning this past weekend. And uh, let's see how we did, Darren. Let's talk about our head-to-head. Head-to-head. 
NXT TakeOver Chicago dose came to us this past Saturday, the 16th of June, 2018, from the All-State Arena in Rosemont, Illinois, that they kept calling Chicago, uh, <laughs> even though it's not. And, um, and I will not stop pointing that out. I'm just not going to stop pointing that out. Mm-hmm. TakeOver Chicago... I thought it was a killer show. We uh, went head-to-head discussing this show last week. And uh, it's the typical five-match show. It's the the standard two-hour NXT Network special we have come to know and love. And as far as WWE goes, it is where you come to see wrestling. You want to watch wrestling disguised as sports entertainment, you can find it. But it's typically in NXT. And that's what we had here uh, in Chicago. And uh, let's get right into the matches. Like I said, five matches, three of them which are title matches, and uh, all of them which are awesome. Oh, yeah. This show did not disappoint. It opens up with the Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong defending the NXT Tag Team Championships against Wunny Lorcan and Danny Burch. (laughs) That, of course, is Oni Lorcan, but he holds up the one finger, so maybe it's Oni Lorcan, and and we're all just not in on the joke yet. Danny Burch holds up the, the two, either for peace or victory, whichever persuasion you find yourself following, but they, uh, I think you called them the new Baldies last week, <laughs> and um, they definitely have a look. They definitely have a look. Uh, this match is, was B.A., and by B.A., I mean bad ass. This match uh, was way better than it had any business being. Um, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't expect a whole lot uh, out of Lorcan and Birch. I knew they were good wrestlers, you know, but then when you have uh, O'Reilly and you have uh, Roderick Strong, it's kind of like, well, they're really good wrestlers. So what's going to happen here? But, man, I must say I was very impressed, and so was that crowd. That crowd was very much behind Undisputed Era, and it's like an NWO kind of thing, where you're not supposed to be behind the bad guys, but everyone everyone likes them. They're the cool guys. But, I mean, the, the fans at the end, they, they gave their applause to uh, Birch and uh, Lorcan because they deserved it. They, uh, I mean, that was a phenomenal match. Well, I agree. When you say that it's the kind of match that you don't expect, like it, it's more... Uh, it ha- it's better than it has any business being. Yeah. I think that that's what I, you know, that is, that's exactly what I mean about NXT is that there are matches that happen under this banner that don't feel like they should be happening in the WWE. Well, like you don't feel that there's anyone employed by WWE who's putting matches together. That's that is going to either put a match together like this or allow the boys to put a match like this together themselves. Maybe they are. I don't know. I really don't know who's standing, uh, you know, backstage with these guys. I don't know who's in there in gorilla with them uh, going over the finishes, but I'm so glad they are whoever they are. Is it Michael PS Hayes still Shawn Michaels? I know is heavily involved, but I, I really want to know because it's matches like this that show they are doing a good job. Whatever they're lacking on Raw and SmackDown, they, they're not lacking in NXT. This match is excellent. Right. Absolutely. This this match is, unfortunately, better than anything you'll see at Money in the Bank. I mean, yeah. as, as far as a wrestling match goes. And, and I, I 
that, that that sounds like, oh, come on, but watch this match and then watch any other match of Money in the Bank and you'll go, okay, I see what he means. <laughs> and it's the opening match. Yeah. And it's not it's not all downhill from here. Not know. at all. In the end, though, the Undisputed Era retains their belts. They defended them successfully. Uh, Riley and Strong, um, looking strong. And uh, like I mentioned last week, O'Reilly looking like, talk about <laughs> realest guy in the room, Kyle O'Reilly still making wrestling look 100% real. Absolutely. I mean, tip of the hat to Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, he makes me believe a man can fly. Uh, <laughs> he makes me believe a man is really punching another man <laughs> as hard as he can. Right. Like Kyle O'Reilly, you did it. So the Undisputed Era retained their belts, but uh, like I said, it is not all downhill from here. This whole takeover is made up of BA matches. Next up is Ricochet taking on the Velveteen Dream. Right. Now, unlike the last match where Darren and I both said that Undisputed Era would go over on Lorcan and Birch, we actually disagreed. This is the only match we disagreed on uh, for TakeOver, which was uh, Darren going with Ricochet winning. I went with Velveteen Dream because Velveteen Dream is so good and he hasn't really won any matches. Um, so I thought, like, eh, it'd be nice to get Velveteen a victory here, but Darren felt Ricochet needed it more. I did feel Ricochet needed it more. I felt it throughout the match. I still feel that way. And Ricochet does win the match. I really feel like Ricochet needed it. Uh, Velveteen Dream, I don't feel any less about him whatsoever for, for him losing this match. He, <laughs> just by his appearance, um, set the world on fire. I mean, coming out looking like Hulk Hogan. Right. You know, he's got the red and yellow on. He's got the boas. He's got the shredded T-shirt. He rips it off. He's posing down. Instead of the Hulk still rules on his shirt, he's got dreams still over. The double entendre there. And then, just to add insult to injury, the red and yellow tights that he's wearing, which, of course, uh, on one hand, scream Hulk Hogan, the pattern on his tights is the pattern of Prince Puma's tights from Lucha Underground. Prince Puma, who, of course, is Ricochet <laughs> under a mask in his Lucha Underground days. So, Velveteen Dream really operating on another level uh, in terms of what he's doing and who he's talking to. Velveteen Dream is reaching through the television screen and sitting down next to you on the couch if you are a vocal member of the internet wrestling community. That's who Dream is talking to. He's saying, look at my Hulk Hogan-ness. Look at my Lucha Underground-ness. Look at everything that I'm doing and how it's different and it's daring. It's not Big Cass beating up a little person. <laughs> it's deeper than that. And uh, I think it's more mature than that. It's wiser than that. It's cerebral. They should call him the Cerebral Assassin because it makes more sense. Yeah, uh, Triple H Cerebral Assassin because he just hits you when your back is turned. Um, yeah, no, of a sledgehammer. The Velvet, oh, Velvet, <laughs> Velveteen Dream obviously functioning on a higher, higher capacity, higher wavelength than uh, many others, and uh, it's working. I, I like his personality a whole lot. I mean, they could have just said, "Okay, well, you're flamboyant. Get out there." 
But I mean, he he does so many other things that that make that really put him apart, sets him apart, and he's got a huge fan base. But we're not talking about the wrestling that goes on here. A match between Velveteen Dream and Ricochet, like it, it's it is as good as it sounds. Um, it's great. And anytime I get to see that uh, that rolling DVD, that rolling Death Valley Driver, I'm always a happy camper. These two guys are both chiseled out of stone. Uh, these are two of the most impressive physiques in wrestling today. Um, their, their body, they have the bodies of Greek gods. Uh, I mean, these are, these are incredible, uh, physiques, uh, and, and they're not just for show. These are, these are working models. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, these physiques go out and show the effort, uh, behind them, uh, through the, through the aerial maneuvering, the strength, the power that's on display with both of these guys wrestling and their wrestling knowledge. I mean, they're they're putting on a clinic and uh, they both seem tough as nails. And uh, like you said earlier, Velveteen Dream could phone this in, but that's not what he's doing. Too often when people throw around the word androgynous, Androgynous means that you're, you're fluctuating between the genders. Too often, people attach androgyny to a male and say, well, it's just a male who acts like a female. No. Androgynous means that there is a floating back and forth. And so Velveteen Dream might be effeminate for one minute, but then he turns around and he's doing a damn good job of being Hulk Hogan. You know, a, a sort of archetype of masculinity and, and that's what i like is the the multifaceted nature of velveteen dreams character but anyway also the fact that i mean the the hogan thing wasn't like a a, a cheap impersonation of hulk hogan by the way so i mean it's 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 him being hulk hogan doing hulk hogan uh, mannerisms but it's it's very much velveteen dream who's doing it so it works really well again very very curious as to why wwe said sure you can do that knowing hogan you know is is so close to transitioning back into wwe uh lore um and obviously they're still kind of like i don't know if we should have him in there it's almost like i don't know i, I thought of this uh, it's like does hogan look better if there's an african-american kind of embodying him on their television uh, program? Like, does that make it kind of okay? Like, is, was that kind of like, okay, we'll do it because of that? Like, I don't know. I, I think of it that way, somewhat. I, I can see why you would think that. Um, Considering the fact that Tie-Dye Guy, we all know who Tie-Dye Guy is. He's a wrestling fan for years. Goes to a ton of uh, shows, and he wears the same thing. He wears, like, a tie-dye shirt. He's a fairly buff guy. His sleeves are cut off. You can see him. He's got the wrist taper on. And he looks kind of like Hulk Hogan, a little throwbacky Hulk Hogan. He's just a little bit, right? <laughs> and tie-dye guy sat... faces, folks. Yeah, tie-dye-y... <laughs> tie-dye guy uh, sat front and center for a live show, what, six or so months ago. And people... They were so afraid people would think that was actually Hulk Hogan. They removed Tie Dye Guy and had had to make either they kicked him out. They probably just made him sit somewhere off off screen or like where he wouldn't be so prominent. But I mean, if they're like that afraid, that afraid of it, then why would they let Velveteen Dream do this? So that that that's my question. Like I'm looking for the the political reasons behind it. That's all. Good questions. Uh, I'd like to know the answers. I'd like to be a fly on the wall when uh, Dream pitched it because you know he had to. That he did. 
That wasn't a surprise to the office when he came through the curtain. Now, they didn't tell him to do that, no. <laughs> oh, no, and I also agree that there's no way they told him. I think he came up with that idea. But they had to greenlight it. Right, absolutely. Ricochet does win the match, like I uh, guessed that he would. And uh, so at this point, uh, I'm leading the head-to-head. Head-to-head. 2-0 and oh to your 1-1. One and one. Well, you can only lead because that was the only match we disagreed on. So you won the head-to-head. Head-to-head. Congratulations, Darren. That does take us into the women's match, though. The NXT Women's Champion, Shanna Baszler, defending against Nikki Cross. She's a... Uh, She's a little spitfire, that Nikki Cross. Um, this match, I, I wasn't expecting any kind of clinic. Uh, Nikki Cross, I think her character kind of omits her from being like a, <laughs> a very technical wrestler, which I'm okay with. Uh, Shayna Baszler, obviously more of a grappler, more of that MMA background, of course. So you're not going to see like, you know, I almost said arm bars. You'll see those. Um, like, you know, DDTs and Samoan drops and stuff like that from Shanna Baszler. She's getting to that point. So I knew this wouldn't be like some Flair, Shades of Flair, Steamboat, or, you know, Sasha Banks, Charlotte Flair, or whatever. Uh, but it, it's a good match. Like, it, it is exactly what it needed to be for telling the story of Shanna Baszler, telling the story of Nikki Cross. It's perfect that way. I completely agree. What you get from two non-traditional wrestling types is a a better wrestling match. I've made this comparison a million times, but would I rather watch UFC 225 or UFC 5? Give me UFC 5 any day. (laughs) Because UFC is now full of people who fight MMA style. UFC 5, there is no MMA style. MMA means mixed martial arts, so you're bringing in the various forms of martial arts and you're mixing them up. And therefore, the matches are more interesting because what happens if a brawler meets a karate guy or a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy meets a boxer? You know, that, that's so much fun. It's like a Sega Genesis <laughs> but they, uh, It's such a real-life street fighter, damn it. Damn it, they right. ruined everything. And, and, and that's kind of what you get here with Baszler and Cross. It's not Sasha and Bailey, who, as good of wrestlers as they are, and they are, were essentially trained or at least finished in NXT. So they're doing the same thing. They're going to have a great match. But is it going to be wild and wooly? No, never. It's never going to be that. They had one of the best women's wrestling matches of all time at the first TakeOver Brooklyn. Uh, So I'm not taking anything away from them. I'm really not. I'm just adding to the fact that when Baszler and Cross don't simply mimic that, it's refreshing and and rewarding in its own way because it's new. And as long as they're doing something that shows some competency, then I like the fact that it's different and new. Right. So for this match, Nikki Cross, you know, basically says any kind of pain you're going to, you know, any kind of pain you're going to inflict on me, I'm going to enjoy because she's crazy, man. She's crazy. She loves pain. Um, and for Shannon Baszler, uh, you know, that that's kind of uh, a bad scenario because uh, I'm, I'm a submission expert. So it make you tap out because you're in so much pain. So I love how the match ends. The, the match ending, of course, with um, Shannon Baszler putting Nikki Cross in the submission 
um, to <laughs> to make Nikki Cross tap out. But instead, Nikki Cross is like enjoying it. And she like smiles and she's like happy because she's in so much pain. And then she, of course, passes out because that, that, that does make sense. So because she does pass out, she does lose the match and Shayna Baszler retains the belt, which we said would obviously happen as much as we would love Nikki Cross being the champion. We knew it wasn't in the cards for her. But I thought that was actually a really great way to end the match. Nikki Cross still looks tough as nails, but, you know, obviously loses the match. So Yeah, they both come out of this looking really, really strong, and I think it was a good finish. Yeah, it was a really good, really well-booked match, I must say. Uh, That takes us into the NXT title match, which is not the last match. Uh, Poor Aleister Black might be thinking, like, doesn't the champion go on last ever? Is this the second time I haven't gone on last uh, ever? Um, he should be thinking that. He should definitely be thinking that. He he might be thinking Champa or Gargano was actually champion, and that's why they keep going on last. But regardless, this is Aleister Black versus Lars Sullivan, uh, which uh, good stuff. I mean, Lars Sullivan. We said the last show we talk about Lars Sullivan. We we talk about how he's kind of like a mix between Vader and Psycho Sid. He definitely has that like he has that presence that's very threatening and very very strong opponent. Uh, very calculated, and he's got the old-school wrestler look, which is very cool. Aleister Black, uh, not typical at all. Uh, a lot of kickboxing and stuff like that. All the all the cool flips and shit that Aleister Black can do. Covered in tattoos. Um, he's got that entrance music. You know the you know the one. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we we figured we didn't know what kind of match this would be. This isn't like Almas versus Black. This is you know Lars Sullivan can't do flips. Bless his heart. But we know he's very capable, too, so we know it would be a good match, and it certainly is a good match. It most definitely is. Uh, this is a type of match that... Th- this is a Lars Sullivan match. Yeah. Um, this is a Lars Sullivan-style match, um, which works for both real life and for the character of Lars Sullivan. It, it protects both of them. Uh, it doesn't make Lars look like a dumb animal who can't combat Black's more... Uh, skilled maneuvers um but it also it makes black look super tough right that he can fight sullivan's style and survive i know that uh sullivan like catching uh alistair black multiple times just catching him yeah the uh, uh the the moonsault he does from um yeah out, onto the apron but sullivan just catches him <laughs> that was very cool yeah i mean all of those all of those moments really makes Sullivan look outstanding. Right. And uh, another thing that's cool about Sullivan is not only is he so monstrous and he's such a cool throwback, but when he opens his mouth, there's something refreshing going on as well because he's articulate and he's, and he's, and he's well-spoken, but without sounding like it doesn't belong, you know, like to, you know, Mike Tyson, of course, is the, is the go-to example for, <laughs> holy shit, that dude sounds like that? Yeah. But, like, you could make the same argument about Brock Lesnar, really. Or Bobby, Bobby Lashley. Lashley. Bobby Lashley more so in the wrestling world. It's like, oh, why don't you sound like the way you look? Now, you know, Lars Sullivan doesn't necessarily sound like Vader or Sid, but I think that's a good thing because he can, you know, he can, you know, he can point at the camera and yell if need be. But he can also talk. He can he can explain himself, uh, and I like that. You know, as long as they don't put him in a shirt and tie to play it up, 
Just leave it alone. Let him be what he is. Well, Sullivan's already proven that he's actually a fairly decent, uh, I guess, actor is the word. Um, the beginning of Lars Sullivan's career when he was uh, Dylan Miley. Was that his name? When he was yeah. he was a tag team partner um, of random people on the show. And his partner would always lose the match. So Dylan Miley, a.k.a. Lars Sullivan, would always become infuriated and beat up his tag team partner. And then be really apologetic about it later. And I thought even then, like, there's something here with this guy. And obviously they saw it too because... Uh, we quickly change his name because that's how you know you're on your way at NXT. That's true. So, I mean, obviously this is a good match and it's a great uh, match where Aleister Black gets to show off his athleticism. Uh, Lars Sullivan gets to show off his strength. There, of course, is that huge, huge botch um, where <laughs> Aleister Black goes for the uh, the Black Mask, which is that roundhouse kick uh, that Aleister Black does. Um, misses Lars Sullivan by a mile. And even the camera angle was perfect for you to see that he missed him. Uh, but of course, Lars Sullivan sells it anyway because he's like, uh, kind of, I guess it kind of hit. <laughs> and the audience even chants, uh, you fucked up. Um, but what happens is uh, Alistair Black has to hit Lars Sullivan again. And even again, it takes another Black Mask so then I think Lars Sullivan kind of realized and Aleister Black kind of realized, okay, on this third one, you're going to have to kick the shit out of me to make up for that first one. And he does. Lars Sullivan, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he's missing a tooth or, or two because his mouth is just is just pouring blood at the end. And it was it was a hell of a hell of a kick from Aleister Black, uh, who does retain his championship, and he remains NXT uh, champion. In our main event... We have a Chicago street fight between Johnny Gargano and Tomasa Champa. These two men, formerly known collectively as the tag team DIY, who put on some of the very best tag team matches in NXT history oh, yeah. and have now been feuding for a hot minute, find themselves in the main event of TakeOver Chicago, booked above the men's world title and the women's world title. No belt on the line. <laughs> Just a grudge match. But a grudge match and then some. Johnny Gargano, looking a little bit like he uh, just walked off the screen of Infinity War. <laughs> he might be in the next one. He may very well be in the next one. Tommaso Ciampa, looking like he just walked out of a... Central American uh, guerrilla warfare unit. And <laughs> so uh, what either of these two men are doing in a professional wrestling match, um, I'll never know. But in those get-ups, what they've done is they've prepared for war. This is not a wrestling match, so no wrestling gear required. Yeah, it's a straight-up Chicago street fight, and uh, this is one of the rare instances where that actually means something. It's not just basically a wrestling match that happens under Chicago street fight rules. Why? Because it's in Chicago? Right. Well, that helps it quite a bit. Uh, the pizza's different there, I hear. Um, Johnny Gargano, of course, comes to the ring, and he's met by... Yeah. It's not good. Ooh, shots fired to our hashtag Chicago dear listeners who no longer listen hey, to our show. Hashtag New York style for life. Oh, wow. Well, that's uh, that's Darren talking, folks. Of course, old Perry likes any pizza, as long as there's not vegetables no, on it. Like, no, 
No, you do not like Chicago-style deep-dish pizza. There's no way. As long as there's not vegetables, I'll be there. Anyway, uh, Gargano met on the way to the ring uh, by his uh, lady, uh, Candice LeRae, who, uh, of course, was like, I don't want you to fight, Johnny. You stop fighting. But, of course, she's like, you know what? Kick his ass and gives him uh, what's left of that crutch that uh, Champa used to beat up on Gargano uh, not too long ago. So, uh, you know, I saw that and I was like, oh, man, my prediction of Candice LeRae turning on Gargano might actually happen. Uh, it did not, unfortunately, so... Anyway, this is uh, this is a great fight. Like this, this as far as like Chicago street fights, this is the greatest Chicago street fight I would say you will ever see. Um, I mean, a lot of the stops pulled out. Uh, literally, uh, a, a fan uh, <laughs> Champa grabs a sign from a fan, and he can't rip it in half. And he finds out there's a stop sign inside, which uh, Gargano uses to beat up on Champa. I mean, it goes all over the place, um, and uh, they tear up the ring. They expose the wooden planks under the 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 canvas of the of a wrestling ring. Um, but they're not like, oh, I haven't seen that since Fest Wrestling when, <laughs> when Leon Scott and Awaken did that. Um, That's right. I was like, oh, where's Awaken? <laughs> uh, so I mean, yeah, obviously trash cans are used, chairs are used. I mean, it's 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 just a very chaotic, brutal, great grudge match. I recommend everyone go watch well the entire show if you haven't done it. But this match. Is very good. Really, really good ending where uh, Champa is being uh, gurneyed out because he is so hurt. Gargano has hurt Champa so much. Um, but of course, Gargano snaps and actually brings Champa back to the ring to kind of finish the job. And even like even handcuffs uh, uh, Champa's uh, wrists. But it's like one of those like long chain handcuffs. So even even though he handcuffs his wrists, uh, like his hands behind his back. Um, Gargano goes around to kind of get back into the ring to go back at Champa again. And Champa, at some point, gets the handcuffs underneath his feet. So he has his hands in front of him. And when Gargano is trying to climb back into the ring to that second rope, Champa grabs him by the head and just nails him with the DDT on those exposed boards. And that, uh, <laughs> I don't think people realize the match was still going on at that point. But yeah, I realized, well, there's no bell, so who wins the match? And then. Uh, uh, Champa hits Gargano with that, de- that vicious DDT, rolls him up for the pin, and wins. Beats Gargano, uh, which is uh, <laughs> a pretty cool finish, I gotta say. I know a lot, like all the audience and the fans, they were super, super surprised by that outcome. But we both said that Champa had to win because if this was going to keep going, Gargano's already won one. Champa has to win this one, or it's got to stop here. Uh, that's it. So, Darren, you got every single match, correct? Yeah. Yes, and please give me one second to bask in the glow of that not only victory, but flawless victory. (laughs) Because in just a moment, I am just going to absolutely stumble all over myself with flaws. But for this moment, let me please have my flawless victory. For this one moment, Darren, you did it. Ah, thank you. I did. Um, and now we're going to go into a big old mess. <laughs> the opposite of you did it. You didn't do it. It was the night after TakeOver that WWE wanted to take us back to the land of money in the bank. The land of the too-many-person ladder match. The land... <laughs> of creating an easy prop for Deus Ex Machina. 
And that's right, on the 17th of June, the Sunday, Money in the Bank came to us from the same All-State Arena as TakeOver Chicago. And we had what we thought would be 10 grueling matches, turned out to be 11. Uh, one of them would actually be quite a surprise to us. But opening the night, we had the Bludgeon Brothers, the SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions, take on the Good Brothers, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. And no, they were not referred to as the club. Last week you asked if they were still being called the club. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't say for sure, but at least on this night they were not. They were referred to simply as the Good Brothers. I picked them to win. You picked the Bludgeon Brothers to retain. And you, guess what? You was right. Yeah, who would have thought this was got this would get kicked to the uh, the kickoff show? I mean, I mean, I, I guess it, it makes sense because I feel like anything can be on the kickoff show nowadays. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wish they could figure out what to do with Gallows and Anderson. I, mean, I don't know why they can't just let them have some fun for a little while. They were they were Raw Tag Team Champions for for a minute, literally a minute, and then after they, that, it's just nothing. They they were screwed up within a month of their first appearance. When they appeared the first time and they were coming out of the crowd, T-shirts and blue jeans, people knew. People either didn't know who they were, and those that did not only knew who they were, but were like, hell yes, Bullet Club, New Japan, Gallows and Anderson. So it was like either, either huge pop or like dangerous mystery pop. And, you know, with the, with the plain T-shirts and the blue jeans, they were the outsiders. They were poised to be the outsiders all over again. Um, and, and then no. And then no. They were, robbed, <laughs> they were robbed of all of that. And they've done nothing. Yep. Sad but true. And they, and they do true. nothing on this night. Nothing on that night. Uh, that takes us to the next match. Another match uh, that, yeah, we, we talked about it briefly already. Uh, Big Cass versus Daniel Bryan uh, on the kickoff show. <laughs> the kickoff show of Money in the Bank. A Daniel Bryan match kickoff show, which, again, is very, very odd. Um, we said that Big Cass would have to win. Otherwise, there's not a whole lot left to discuss if Daniel Bryan beats Big Cass twice in a row. We thought that not knowing Big Cass's WWE career was in the chopping block. Uh, so we said Big Cass would win. Daniel Bryan goes over on Big Cass. Um, how, does, how does Daniel Bryan feel about all this? I don't know. As long as he can eat vegan food and leave a low-carbon footprint, I think he's happy. Uh, you know, uh, you'd think that. But the, I think the only thing he loves more than lowering his carbon footprint is wrestling. But I don't think, I, I don't think he's a wrestle-just-for-the-hell-of-it kind of guy. I'll tell you this much. You don't want to wrestle on the damn pre-show against Big Cass, who's got one foot out the door, soon to have both feet out the door. <laughs> and, you know, Daniel Bryan wants to be in this Money in the Bank match, period. Oh, absolutely. No, he doesn't want to there, fight Big Cass at all. <laughs> so. I'm just, I, I'm concerned. I mean, WWE may, they may screw around. And despite the fact that they gave him, you know, that they cleared him, uh, and they let him come back. If they keep screwing around with this, they're going to lose him. The, he will. Daniel Bryan would go to New Japan in a heartbeat to fight Kenny Omega. You know he would. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, plenty of places for Daniel Bryan to uh, to head to if WWE 
doesn't do right by him. Um, but uh, he still has a job, so there's that. Big Cat's not so much. And that, Fair uh, enough. Fair that, enough. That, uh, that means we both get that one wrong, which takes us into Money in the Bank proper. We're out of that kickoff show. Bobby Lashley taking on Sami Zayn. We mentioned this match earlier because we were talking about the unfortunate injuries that have befallen the artist formerly known as El Generico. Sami Zayn, uh, on his way out, on his way down to the surgeon's office, he will take a loss uh, and do the job to Bobby Lashley. And Bobby Lashley, um, you know... I'm not going to complain about him yet. This was not a good feud. But on paper, I like it because it's like, oh, Bobby Lashley, Sami Zayn? Okay. Because one would much more strongly believe that Vince McMahon would go like, Bobby Lashley and Big Show. Yes, only person that has to be the Big Show. Right. Uh, you, you know, Or put him into a main event program too soon. But no, they actually put him in. So I'm kind of okay with this feud. Didn't really make a lot of sense at times. Wasn't a great feud, but I didn't hate it. You know what I mean? I'm saying, like, I don't love this. This isn't great. But I feel like, let's say this didn't happen. I'm, let me hear Bear with me for a second. Imagine Bobby Lashley came in, and it was like Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar already. Like, sure, I'm sure some people want to see it. But I think, like, if we saw that or Bobby Lashley, Roman Reigns in a main event, that – I guarantee you, on this podcast, I would be saying, why do we have to have that already? Why couldn't we have, like, Bobby Lashley versus, hmm, I don't know, somebody like Sami Zayn? You know? The, so, like, I feel like this is actually an example where, even though I want to complain about it, I feel like this is what I would complain against and then actually want. And I've actually got it without asking for it. Does that make sense? Uh, here's a problem with Bobby Lashley. You brought him in to wrestle wrestlers, because he's a wrestler, yeah. So it makes sense to have him up against another big man. Problem is, you just jobbed all of your big men out to Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman. So all your big men don't look so big anymore. <laughs> So you don't want to bring Bobby Lashley in. You need him to look good, but you can't put him against Samoa Joe, who needs to also look good, and he's just been jobbed out several times. You know, it's kind of like, put him against Sami Zayn, because we don't know what to do with Sami Zayn. And that's exactly what happened. It's kind of like, uh, this is like this is an intermittent feud. It's just kind of like, okay, you do that until we figure out what your main course will actually be. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't like it. You don't put someone who can talk against someone who can't talk. You know, you don't put someone who, who was 120 pounds against a guy who's 270 pounds of pure muscle. Um, it just, it, it, it's not going to look legitimate and, uh, more so the whole talking thing, because this became a talking feud in the beginning and but beyond that really probably, horrible segment. Probably because, probably because old dude had two torn rotator cuffs. Well, well, there you go. There's another reason to just maybe not have this at all. He could already be three weeks into recovery uh, if they went ahead and just said, okay, Zayn, just go recover, and Lashley can fight anyone else. Because this match isn't for anything. It's just for, hey, let's give Lashley a spot on the pay-per-view. So Anyway, we said Lashley would win. He did. Uh, moving on, <laughs> moving on, 
The Intercontinental title is on the line as the IC champion Seth Rollins, who's here to burn it down, will take on Elias, who wants or doesn't want people to walk with him because he's still working the heel side of this gimmick, even though people are buying into it. Right. They're saying all the wrong things. And uh, <laughs> leave it to WWE to not go with the flow. Right. And Elias is spitting in the face of all of those people who are cheering him, which he's asking them to do, but he's asking them ironically because WWE hasn't figured out modern wrestling where heels and faces, oh my God, broken record. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Elias um, could just do his bit without having to, like, stab the faces of everyone in the audience at least one time. Like, oh, you're all, you had a good time. I'm glad all your mothers are dead. Like, I mean, he, he says, like, the one horrible thing. Usually it's about their, their team or whatever. But, like, I think if you if you just stopped the whole, you know, the, the, like, going out of your way to, like, go, like, no, you're supposed to hate me. I think he could just be the heel that everyone cheers and that'd be fine. Um, because, I mean, you can't deny he's entertaining. I will say, he's done the guitar shtick so many times, he's actually become a decent guitar player now. <laughs> it's like, wow, he's actually becoming pretty decent. Um, so that, that's interesting that that's, he's, he's getting this skill, uh, from this whole gimmick. Um, because Honky Tonk can never play guitar. I hate to break it to you folks. Honky Tonk men never actually learn how to play guitar. Or if he did, he was such a good actor that he never let on that he actually knew how to play guitar, so... I am going to go with the former because the latter is giving uh, Honky Tonk Man way too much credit. Yes, and I, I never want to do that. Uh, this is actually a very good match. Uh, Elias and Seth Rollins actually have a very good match. Um, might actually be, like, as far as, like, one-on-one goes, like, match of the night for me. Uh, but it actually is a very good match. Dirty little secret about Elias. He can wrestle. He can wrestle, Absolutely. And Seth Rollins, given the opportunity, we know he can wrestle. So, yeah, you're right. This is a pretty good match. I did, however, uh, bungle the pick. I thought that Elias would walk away with the IC belt. You uh, correctly predicted that Seth Rollins would retain, and he does. So Seth Rollins keeps the Intercontinental title belt around his waist, and Elias forced to leave with nothing more than his hurt pride and a guitar, which he can't play. <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, uh, Rollins does not keep that icy strap around his waist for very much longer, uh, because 24 hours later, he drops it to Dolph Ziggler on Raw, which was I very like, oh? Uh? <laughs> I still don't know what the deal I don't understand Dolph Ziggler anymore. And I don't mean, and I don't mean Nick Nimeth or whatever his name is, whatever his real name is. Not, not him. His real name is Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> I don't understand what Dolph Ziggler is supposed to be anymore. I don't know. WWE is not telling me enough. I personally am still hung up on him. Uh, relinquishing the uh, U.S. belt. Uh, hell, that's been a year now. Right. Like, I'm still craving a conclusion to that to that calamity. Is it just as easy 
just as phoned in and blatant as HBK and Diesel? Is that what we're supposed to be looking at with Ziggler and McIntyre? Could be. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think it's okay if that's what it is, but they're not really calling it that. I mean, of course, you're not going to say, oh, you're not going to every week be like, oh, it's just Michaels and, and Diesel. You know, I know they're not going to do that, but like, you got to dress it up more like that. And they're like, you know, hit us over the head. I don't know, man. I, I, here I am again. Uh, maybe I'm just not able to be pleased by WWE anymore because now here I am like literally arguing against the point I'm typically making. I normally talk about not wanting to be hit over the head, and here I am complaining because I'm not being hit over the head. I, WWE is so ass-backwards right now, I don't know what I want. <laughs> um, I, I Honestly, I like Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler together. I think McIntyre needs to be the universal champion because there is no one who looks better than he right now in terms of wrestling physique and size. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for McIntyre. Obviously, he was NXT champion. Uh, then he got injured and disappeared. And he got moved up to the main roster. Um, but now he's just Dolph Ziggler's buddy. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, uh, you can do anything with that? Uh, so, I don't know what the what the cards are for. Uh, I don't know what's in the cards for McIntyre. But I'm sure there's something down the line. WWE always has a really good plan. Um, <laughs> that's fun. That takes us to the Women's Money in the Bank match. This is a uh, match where you climb the ladder for that uh, briefcase hanging above inside the briefcase. Of course, a contract for a, uh, a instant fight for the uh, Women's Championship. And of course, you have half the women from SmackDown, half the women from Raw. And uh, whatever woman wins, they can uh, cash in their Money in the Bank contract for... Uh, whatever belt on their uh, show. So in this match, we have Lana, Naomi, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Natalia, Sasha Banks, Alexa Bliss, and Ember Moon. And it's a very good match. I actually really enjoyed this match. So it was actually pretty, pretty well put together, I must say. Yeah, I really, really dug this match. This was a lot of fun. These women put a lot on the line. Risking uh, severe injury. Uh, th- there's a lot of lot of risky stuff in this match, and I, I'm a big fan of this match. This was good stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's there's too many spots to really go into great detail about it. Um, but you and I both said that Becky Lynch kind of needed this win, and, and it seemed kind of like maybe they're, they're kind of pushing Becky a bit more. They she actually went over on Charlotte recently. It's like that's a good that's a good sign. No. Not Becky Lynch. We're both wrong about that. Alexa Bliss. All five foot of Alexa Bliss gets up the ladder and grabs the briefcase. And she is your new women's money in the bank contract holder. And uh, who knows? Who knows? Will she hold on to this briefcase for almost an entire year like Carmella? Who knows? (laughs) Oh, at this point, who knows? Actually, at this point, I kind of knew. But anyway, moving on to the next (laughs) match. This next match between Roman Reigns and Jinder Mahal, folks, let me tell you, this audience loved this match. Oh, man. If you haven't watched Money in the Bank, go back and watch this match and just listen to the audience that just shits all over this match the entire time. And as a big fan of Jinder Mahal, I hate that. Yeah. 
Roman Reigns, not only do I not care, but I'm also used to the fans not liking it. But Jinder Mahal, like, this really upsets me. This guy was so good just a few months ago. This guy, I think, absolutely delivered the goods uh, when it was time to do so, when they needed him, when they wanted him. Now they've they've just they've abandoned him. I mean, they're jobbing him out to Roman Reigns. Shows just how little they care about him, really. But when man, when he's in that turban and that suit, when he had the WWE title, both of the Singh brothers instead of just. Uh, I guess one quarter of the Singh brothers. <laughs> Basically half of the two of them is, is immobilized. Uh, and uh, I was hoping that Matt Hardy might come out and call him a dilapidated man, but he didn't. Um, <laughs> this sucks. This sucks for Jinder Mahal and sucks for Jinder Mahal fans like myself. Um, we're stuck watching him job out to Roman Reigns to the pleasure of no one, to the excitement of no one, and to the care of no one. <laughs> we both picked Roman Reigns to win the match, therefore, we are both correct. Yay. And that will do it for my correct predictions on this night. <laughs> we are only halfway through this card, dear listeners. And that is all of the correct picks that I made for this most atrocious Money in the Bank head-to-head. Head-to-head. The SmackDown Live women's title is on the line as champion Carmella, who obviously successfully cashed in her Money in the Bank and is still riding that wave, defends her title against Asuka. And uh, looked like Asuka was going to be able to take this belt away from Carmella. And I know that you, for one, would be glad if she did, (laughs) because it would be Asuka finally getting uh, what she deserves on the main roster. Yeah, I I, I didn't get that. I didn't get that, Darren. You did not get that. And um, why not? Why why would that not happen? Well, It wouldn't have have anything to do. I'll tell you what it wouldn't have anything to do with. It most definitely would not be because of any friends of the show. <laughs> I was going to rub that in, too. Actually, yes, a hashtag friend of the show. You may recall those uh, longtime fans. We've once had James Ellsworth on the show for an interview. He makes his return to the WWE, uh, dressed up in Asuka's mask and uh, robe, and kind of... Uh, kind of <laughs> gets uh, Asuka's attention and and draws her curiosity and Asuka looks at it like it's a ghost of some sort and then of course the mask comes off and it's James Ellsworth who winks and I thought I thought that is a meme that that is that is the new gif generator number one hit right there um and of course Carmella capitalizes on Asuka looking the wrong direction hits her with their finisher and quickly covers her up for the one two three retaining that belt so James Ellsworth is back in the WWE. Asuka's still not champion. And uh, I wasn't a big fan of the match anyway. I mean, Carmella needed to look a bit more vulnerable, a little bit more chicken shitty. Instead, like, she's doing most of the offense on Asuka the entire match. And I, 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 that I can't accept. You know what I mean? Like, it's one thing to, it's one thing to be running in and out and, like, you know, 
clasping on for your last breaths of life and trying to survive. When it's 80% the heel beating up the face who's supposed to be this like legitimate badass, then that's just bad storytelling to me. So, eh, whatever. But anyway, uh, Asuka well, is not champion. The one thing I can accept is is James Ellsworth. That I, the biggest pop of, of the evening from me was James Ellsworth. No, I'm 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 glad he came back. I think it's actually I, I'm someone who doesn't mind James Ellsworth. It might be because he was nice enough to do an interview on our show once. Um, but no, I, I think he adds something to the uh, to the show. That's just I don't know. I, I think Carmella needs that little extra bit too. So I, I was always okay with him. So. Made me made me laugh, made me smile. Very very <laughs> welcome back, James Ellsworth. We'll let the disappointment for me continue as we go yep. into the SmackDown Live Championship match. The phenomenal AJ Styles taking on Shinsuke Nakamura in a Last Man Standing match, folks. You may recall that I declined to uh, do a pick for this match for our head to head. Head to head because I am so over this whole feud because they've done Shinsuke dirty, uh, if you ask me. So, uh, Darren, you talk about this. I'm not even here. I'm not even here. Well, it's not... This This wasn't This wasn't that bad of a match. AJ Styles... Uh, well, like we've seen, AJ Styles is still given the opportunity most of the time, not all the time. WrestleMania 34 was a good example of AJ Styles not being given an opportunity to shine. But most of the time, AJ shines, no matter who his opponent is, whether he's the champion or the challenger, or whatever the circumstances or whatever the show is. AJ is usually given enough time to get his shit in and show why he's one of the very best in the world. Shinsuke, still, still not given the opportunity to shine. (laughs) Not since joining SmackDown Live has Shinsuke even one time been allowed to be the Shinsuke Nakamura we know that he can be. And he doesn't do it even in this match. A match that has no pinfalls or submission, no time limit. I- no DQ. It is tailor-made for a heel to win. And even and- then, Shinsuke can't get the victory from AJ Styles. It is a good match, though. It is a good match. I actually, it is a good match. I actually do like the finish of the match, minus the whole Shinsuke you know, not getting his arm raised at the end. <laughs> Um, but it actually is a good match, but obviously it's kind of like, okay, Shinsuke, what do you do? Like, you need to, you need to leave WWE because they're, it's just not going to happen, pal. And now he's feuding with Jeff Hardy for the U.S. title. Like, oh, great. Thanks. We were going to take you to the Ritz Carlton for lunch, but instead we're just going to go to the, the Outback Steakhouse. All right. Oh God. I couldn't have said it better myself. Shinsuke, please, please go back to New Japan Pro Wrestling, please. Uh, with a haste, with haste. Indeed. You abstained from making a pick. I foolishly picked Nakamura. <laughs> um, although I will say that as soon as I picked him, I said I'll be wrong. There's no way he's going to win. Right. But I went with it because I thought, well, hell, I have nothing to lose. Uh, since you're abstaining, but I, I did. I did have a, a pick to lose. One one uh, one side note, though, about the match is Shinsuke is supposed to be hated. They went as far as changing his entrance music so people wouldn't sing along to it, which people still do, by the way. And uh, when that crowd chanted, it was half AJ, half Nakamura, even now. So, I mean, in spite of WWE going out of their way, 
for people not to like Shinsuke Nakamura. He's still over. And that says a lot, that he he became a heel overnight, literally. And they changed his fucking music. And, you know, he's got this completely different attitude, more or less. And people still like him. So, I don't know. I, I wish they would reward that. That's all. Well, we now have our third world title match in a row. The SmackDown Live Women's, the WWE title, and now the Raw Women's title on the line as Nia Jax, your Raw Women's Champion, takes on Rowdy, Ronda Rousey. And I know how excited you were that Ronda Rousey uh, was getting nothing special, no special treatment, and uh, getting her <laughs> title match already. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I like Ronda Rousey, actually. I, I think she's adding a lot to uh, the WWE. It's just that you can't say, like, oh, no, nothing special when her second, when her first televised match is WrestleMania and her second televised match is a big pay-per-view for the Women's Championship. Yeah, sure, she's just one of the girls in the locker room. Yeah. Well, this match, I don't know, actually, in hindsight, it looks like you may have gotten a peek at the booking. <laughs> but I know that you at the same at the same time weren't 100 percent positive about your pick, and uh, clearly because I was wrong, I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. Nevertheless, it appeared for most of this match as if no one really knew what was going on. It wasn't a bad match. It wasn't a bad match at all. Is not what I mean. But it just looked like uh, who's going to win this match? They because they both looked really strong which I think is actually a testament to the fact that it might have been a pretty good match. It was a good match. That's probably Nia Jax's best match she's had so far. And although, I mean, a lot of credit to Nia Jax for, for putting on the match she did. It was a good storytelling match. I, I think that's what kind of worked for me. Ronda Rousey, I, she brings something new to the table. No one sells like Ronda Rousey. She sells maneuvers so well because she's MMA trained. You know, she's got the, 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 the on-screen combat, you know, classes from doing action movies and stuff like that. So when she takes a fall, it looks so legitimate. And, like, the, the way she, you know, appears to be processing pain, you know, it's so well done. Watch the match. It's it's it, you can tell she doesn't have that wrestling mind, but like in the best possible way. You know what I mean? It, it's hard to say that someone falls better than someone else, but here in the world of wrestling, it's absolutely true. Um, sure. So she she falls very well. She looks pained uh, in a, a much more realistic way than ninety five percent of that locker room already. Um, and I, I think her abilities are great. And I, like I said, going to the match, the problem is you can't make Nia look bad. You can't make Ronda look bad. So I said that there would just be a disqualification. The belt would not change hands. And I said a one way to, to make them both look good is if the women's money in the bank winner cashes in immediately. And guess what happened? Alexa Bliss cashed in immediately. And uh, whacked them both with that briefcase, threw Ronda Rousey like like a ragdoll through the announcer table. Thought that was kind of like, whoa, all right. Well, Alexa never thought she would do that in her life. Like, oh, one day you're going to be throwing Ronda Rousey, the <laughs> UFC Women's Champion, through the announcer table. It was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> then Alexa cashes in the briefcase and she beats Nia Jax and walks away with that Women's Championship belt. Really good night for Alexa Bliss. Really, really good night for Alexa Bliss. But the problem here, Darren, is like I said with the last episode, 
Now all the big champs who were the champions going into WrestleMania are still the champions. So when when do we turn the page to the next chapter? Is there a next chapter, WWE? That's a very good question. I don't think so. Uh, certainly, <laughs> not until, certainly not until WrestleMania next year. Uh, but as far as Alexa Bliss goes, this is doubling, tripling, maybe even quadrupling down on her at this point. They love this girl. I mean, they love her. She's the She was the SmackDown Women's Champion, Raw Women's Champion. Now she's Raw Women's Champion again. Money in the Bank ladder match winner. They call her the goddess. I mean, what? <laughs> well, you know who's calling her that, don't you? <laughs> she is. She yes. is? There you yeah. go. Okay. Uh, and Corey Graves. God, please get out of her ass, Corey Graves. Uh, um, and I like Corey Graves. Don't misunderstand me. Oh, I don't. But go ahead. That dude can <laughs> pour it on sometimes. Right. Um, congratulations to Alexa Bliss. They, they think that she knows what she's doing. I think she knows what she's doing. She's excellent in the ring and on the microphone. Um, I'm, I'm really, really excited um, about the possibility of an Alexa Bliss-Ronda Rousey feud. I'm not at all excited about renew immediately renewing the Alexa Bliss-Nia Jax feud. <laughs> but I would be very, very, very into Ronda and Alexa. That just looks good. That brief interaction where Alexa throws Ronda through the table made me go, ooh, shivers right up my spine about the two of them feuding because Alexa, all of the talking Nia was not able to do against Ronda, Alexa could totally do. Yeah, absolutely. Which takes us to the final match of the night. It is for the men's Money in the Bank. I guess uh, fitting that the <laughs> they are at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Um, so we have Braun Strowman against The Miz, Samoa Joe, Rusev, Kevin Owens, Bobby Roode, Finn Balor, and one of the three members of The New Day. Now, Darren made his pick here. He actually called one of The New Day members to win this match, which he called Big E, which looked like he might be getting Big E after all. But no, no, it's Xavier Woods. But no, no. It's Kofi Kingston. So Darren, by default, loses this one because his pick was Yay, not even before in. Before the match even began. Wasn't even in the match. I could even be nice and say, you know what? Just I'll, I'll say the New Day was your pick. And any of the three going in could have done it. But it wouldn't matter because Kofi Kingston did not win the match. I thought it made sense, though, because Kofi Kingston has been involved in so many Money in the Bank ladder matches that it, it works to have him in there. And the fans were behind Kofi Kingston. And I was like, sure, why not? Let Kofi Kingston win the match. I mean, he, he deserves a Money in the Bank win for sure. Um, it's a good match. I love that it's basically the heels all like having to scheme together and formulate a plan to take out Braun Strowman. I thought that worked out really, really well uh, storyline-wise. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's very typical Money in the Bank matches. There's outstanding, outrageous spots uh, very painful-looking stunts, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it is a Money in the Bank ladder match. What do you what do you want? Uh, you can't want much more than what you got here. This is what it should have been. Uh, we had <laughs> three thousand pounds to Graceland. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you'd bring that up. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to friend of the show Tyler Rollins for that uh, art we put up on Instagram that he made. Yeah, the uh, I mean, I'll stand by that. 
Rusev, Kevin Owens, and Samoa Joe, they need to be the fat Elvises, man. Oh, my God. They absolutely <laughs> need to be. It would be better than what any of them are doing right now. You know it. Well, Rusev now is a number one contender to the uh, SmackDown title. So I, I disagree with that. Uh, you're, you're probably right. You're probably right to do that. I typically uh, am. But I did say that Braun Strowman would defy the odds and he would win the money in the bank. And that is what happened. Braun Strowman now has that contract. He can cash it in whatever he wants. And I think that is the final nail in the coffin for uh, for <laughs> Universal Champion Brock Lesnar. If Strowman cashes it in and Lesnar retains the title, again, swerving for swerve's sake... Then, then, then nothing should ever be able to beat Brock Lesnar. Nothing. And that was it. Money in the bank, folks. That was it. We, uh, I didn't do too bad on that head-to-head. Head-to-head. You really didn't. All things considered, you finished 6-3-1. and one. Yeah, that one being for my refusal to pick between Nakamura and AJ, yes. Yeah, and I uh, I didn't do well at all. Uh, like I said earlier, after my second correct pick, I uh, I, I, I continued to flounder, <laughs> and I finished the show two and eight. Oh my god! Well, you floundered. I Sebastianed. These are all references to Disney's Little Mermaid. <laughs> I um, Ursuled. No, well, okay, yeah, that's fine. It's is Ursula the bad guy? Ursula's the bad guy, yes. Aha, I Ursula. <laughs> but I, I was going on companions of uh, Ariel. Well, that, well, you but you already covered them all. Didn't she only have the two? Uh, there's also Scuttle, the the who's the uh, the the sea seabird. <laughs> what the fuck? You you just made that up. No, no, Scuttle's a thing. Back, back me up, uh, fans of the show. Uh, you you could have named seabird. Sea you mean on seagull? <laughs> That's the word. Oh, man. Well, I, I gained points like a, and then I lost points. It was points. like a... Flounder is like a, a, like a, like a water fish. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I haven't been to the beach in a couple of years, Darren. I forgot what a seagull was called, okay? Anyway, folks, I hope you enjoyed uh, the weekend of wrestling. Uh, obviously, you, you big wrestling fans probably loved uh, TakeOver. It was a, a typical good TakeOver. A uh, great takeover, I should say. Money the Bank was Money the Bank wasn't that bad. Uh, still, some bad booking decisions. I feel. Again, don't get me started on Nakamura, AJ Styles. Um, okay, fine. You know what sucks? No, okay, forget it. Um, did you oh, enjoy man, it? I thought, I thought we got you started. No, no, this episode's approaching two hours, so we're gonna go ahead and cut it here, folks. Did you enjoy Money in the Bank and NXT Takeover? Let us know. There's a lot of ways you can let us know. Hit us up on Twitter at Ref and Show Podcast. It's R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook. Like and share. We'd appreciate that. Hit us up on Gmail. Send us an email if you would like. Uh, the whole Ref and Show at gmail.com. T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Or... Or there's always... The Pretty Picture Parade on Instagram. Find us on Instagram at The Whole Reffin Show. It's loads of fun over there. It's party. It's a, it's a pants-off dance-off uh, <laughs> over on Instagram. So come join us, won't you? 
I love that I when I tell them the Twitter and the email and the uh, Facebook, it's always like, here's what it is, here's how you find it. Goodbye. Darren's like, here's Instagram, and here's what Instagram is, and you know, we have a good time. And it's just very funny to me that you, you elaborate. Well, it's because I'm doing a service for all of our listeners who have amnesia, who forget <laughs> what Instagram is each week. Right. That's precisely why I tell them what Instagram is. Well, I, so I excuse it's, me from being a compassionate uh, human being. It's unfortunate they have in, uh, it's unfortunate they have Instagram. It's unfortunate they have amnesia, but I'm glad they have the type of amnesia where they don't forget to tune into our show every week. <laughs> Well, that's because they've subscribed. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. All right. Well, so, <laughs> so, dear listeners, have you not subscribed? Do you not have amnesia? You better subscribe just in case you ever get amnesia. You definitely don't want to miss the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. You know who's calling us that, don't you? We are. We are! I wish all of our fans did have subscriptions to us and Amnesia. That way we could tell the same jokes over and over again. Which we kind of do anyway, but we could like get away with it. Um, and that's it, folks. We appreciate you tuning in for the 89th episode. We'll see you next week for episode 90. Until then, my name is Perry Smith. And my name is the incredible badass that is Darren Beasley. I knew he wouldn't let it go. And from the both of us, we bid you a very fond adieu. Thank you for tuning in to the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle of the whole wrestling show. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.